Hi guys, I'm back with another episode of Two Sisters and a TV. And this episode is going to focus on a TV show that my sister and I both watched very often, every week, for many, many years. And that is Soul Train. The reason I decided to do today's episode about Soul Train is because today, February 1st, marks the 10th anniversary of Don Cornelius' passing. Of course, Don Cornelius created Soul Train, and he was the host of it for over 20 years. And he remains a legend in broadcasting, in black history, in musical history. So I wanted to take some time to remember him today. Um, I remember finding out about his passing from my sister. I was so absolutely floored when she told me the news that he took his own life. I could not believe that. And it was a really deep loss for both of us because no, Don Cornelius was not someone that we knew personally. But as I said, as I've said before, just because a celebrity is someone that you never met personally or had a personal relationship or connection with doesn't mean you didn't have a connection with them anyway because we do have connections with celebrities and this is someone that I watched on TV every Saturday afternoon for 18 years I remember discovering Soul Train by accident. I was four years old. It was 1975. And usually after the cartoons would go off, I would turn the TV off and just kind of just play games. Uh, my mom would play music around the house a lot on the weekends. And I would listen, you know, to her records. She played a lot of Motown, Aretha Franklin. She'd throw some Frank Sinatra and Tony Bennett in there. Uh, lots of current R&B or soul music is what she was playing at that time. So usually I would just listen to her music and I would turn the TV back on later for Hee Haw and for the Saturday night CBS lineup. But one Saturday I decided to do a little bit of channel surfing and I ran across this TV show I'd never seen before. And it was all these African-American kids dancing to soul music. And the host looked and sounded a lot like my mother's eldest brother. They could have been literally twins. They had those deep voices. They were sharp dressers. They had the fro. So much. They wore glasses. So that too caught my attention. (laughs) But uh, little did I know I was watching Soul Train. And I was just like, what is this? What? show is this and I fell in love with it right from the beginning uh, because I was familiar with a lot of the songs that they were playing on Soul Train and Dancing to anyway because my mom had those records and was listening to that music anyhow but seeing these kids dancing to that music and, and the fashions and the Soul Train line it was it was just great and so I began to watch it every week from that point and I watched it every week until I stopped watching in 1993 shortly after Don Cornelius stepped down I did try to keep going with it and I did for I guess a couple of months but it just for me it wasn't the same without Don because he just was the extra touch that the show needed and when he was not there anymore 
something was definitely missing. Now, the show did stay on. He stepped down in, as I said, 1993. Well, the show didn't end until 2006. It had a 35-year run in syndication. So even though Don wasn't there anymore, and he was still, of course, working very diligently behind the scenes on the show, as was his son, Tony Cornelius. So his influence and presence were still very much there. But I did dismiss his on-camera presence a lot. Um, I will admit that Don was, in my opinion, not the best interviewer. I think that he... um, kind of some, especially in the later years, like when the the rap began to infiltrate Soul Train. That was something that he really was not in favor of. But the times were changing, the musical landscape was changing, and Soul Train had to accommodate that. So, and I thought it was great, because, you know, I, I remember when, um, you know, I'm old enough to remember a world before rap and hip-hop, and I remember when rap and hip hop first made its appearance, and the first hip hop song I ever remember listening to was "Rapper's Delight" by the Sugar Hill Gang, which came out in 1979. And I thought it was the coolest thing because it's like they're well, they're 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 not singing, they're talking, and the music in the background. I thought it was great. I thought it was a really awesome musical take, and I, I was a fan from the beginning. And then uh, in 1981, Blondie had her hit song, Rapture, and she raps in the middle of the song. And again, I thought that was so cool, you know. And so Soul Train had to, you know, keep up with the times. But you could tell that Don really kind of didn't know how to interview the rappers very well. Sometimes he said things that were kind of insulting. Um, I know that Curtis Blow was on his show, and I saw this in a Soul Train documentary. It's called The Hippest Trip in America. It's on YouTube. It's about an hour and a half in length, two hours. It's really a great documentary about the history of Soul Train, particularly the Don Cornelius era. So anyway... Um, Curtis Blow was so excited to be on Soul Train for the first time. He was just so thrilled to be there. And Don Cornelius said something that kind of shot him down. I don't remember the exact words, but Curtis Blow said on the in the documentary that he was really hurt by, you could look at him and tell that he was very disappointed and hurt by what Don was saying. Um, I just think that that was, he couldn't really relate to the hip hop uh, genre. He couldn't relate to disco too well either. He was not a fan of the disco you know, evolution either. So again, he kind of struggled when he was interviewing people like, you know, Donna Summer, Teddy Pendergrass, you know, all those disco artists. Well, Teddy Pendergrass was not a disco artist. He started off uh, with Harold Melvin, the Blue Note. So he was R&B. But, you know, of course, he, you know, when he went solo, you know, a lot of his music took on a disco type theme. But, uh, you know, I think Don really liked just basic, good old, straight-to-the-point soul music. That's when he thrived the best on the show. But when the music landscape began to change, he had trouble changing with it. Now, Don Cornelius was not the most easy man to deal with. He um, could be very difficult behind the scenes. He was not the nicest to the dancers on the show. He um, could be very demanding, very moody. Um, And these aren't put-downs because I have a lot of respect for Don. I admire him tremendously. He actually has a back hat, a background. At first, he he was um, 
in the military. And then he was a police officer. He was an insurance salesman. And then when he decided that he wanted to go into broadcasting, he went to broadcasting school for three months. And then he became a disc jockey and a news reporter. This was all before Soul Train. So he was a very well-rounded man. But he just could be difficult. Soul Train, he was very possessive of Soul Train, which I understand that. You know, it was his idea. It was his creation. And I understand him being very protective of that. I know that when the theme song changed to the Soul Train theme that we remember the best uh, by the Three Degrees um, and MFSB, if I'm saying that group's name correctly, I hope I am, uh, it stood for Mothers, Fathers, Sisters, and Brothers. So yeah, I think I, I think I got it right. But when they had the Soul Train song, it became a you know top ten song. Um, on the billboard charts and they wanted to name the song the soul train theme the soul train theme but don refused of course later he went on to regret that because it was a you know song became a big hit and but he was very possessive of of the brand and the name but yeah don was complicated and he some of you probably already know this but he did not pay any of the dancers on the show he, um, his way of compensating them for their time and their expertise was in KFC or Kentucky Fried Chicken. He would buy boxes of chicken for the dancers, usually like um, a bra, not a breast. I don't think that he he went that far um, because breasts are expensive. Uh, I believe that he paid those dancers with a thigh and a leg. Or a uh, thigh and a wing. I can't be positive, but um, that's how he paid them. And you know, they they worked very hard. They were, you know, they of course they had fun doing it, and they you know were exposed. They were on national TV, um, so you know they did get their, you know, they got you know their own compensation for being on the show. But you know, chicken kind of stereotypical you know what I mean <laughs> maybe he should have done burgers no I actually think he should have done you know given them a little bit of uh, monetary compensation for their time and their talent but um anyway Soul Train initially was a local show it began in Chicago in 1970 and, you know, he had the OJs on his show, The Emotions, Jerry Butler, but he wanted it to be a national TV show. He wanted it to be national. And so he worked really hard and got the sponsors he needed and all the back. He worked very, very hard to get Soul Train to the national level. So a year later, in the fall of 1971, Soul Train debuted on seven stations nationwide. One of them was Houston, my hometown. And, you know, so honestly, I'm not going to lie about it. It struggled in the beginning when it was national. He struggled, Don did, getting guests to be on the show. And it just had a little bit of a difficult time taking off initially. 
But, I mean, you know, he kept going with it, you know. I mean, he, he even went and got 60s groups and acts to be on his show. Like, he got Martha and the Vandellas to be on his show. And they, you know, were doing Heat Wave, which was, of course, a 60s song. But, hey, he had to use what talent that he could. And, you know, the first season of Soul Train, like I said, not a big success, but it was renewed for a second season. Now, when the fall of 1972 came along for the first episode, that uh, season's debut episode, he got Ike and Tina Turner to be his guests. And that began to kind of take the show in a different direction. People began to really take notice with them being on there. And then he ended up having Aretha Franklin and just more really popular soul guests began to be on the show. And all of a sudden the viewership began to increase. The sponsors began to increase and soul train began to be on more stations and more cities nationwide. Well, by 1973 and 1974 soul train was doing very, very well. And by 1975, when I discovered it, it was thriving. I mean, you had people even like Fred Astaire watching Soul Train and Barbara Streisand. So Soul Train was also reaching, you know, not just African-American audiences, but they were reaching, you know, people of other races as well. And then you began to, you know, see over time, you know, white dancers and other, you know, you remember Cheryl Song, the Asian lady with the super long hair. She first made her debut on Soul Train in 1976 and was on the show for 14 years. And then you began to see white artists on Soul Train like David Bowie and Elton John. I discovered both of those gentlemen both of those brilliant legends on Soul Train. I had not even heard of either one of them until they popped up on Soul Train. So it began to really become a national, uh, you know, TV show. It wasn't just, oh, this is for the the, the black kids and, you know, no. It, it t- took on a life of its own and, and, and really became popular amongst all ethnicities and all racial groups. I remember in 1976, it got to the point Soul Train was so high that, um, y'all remember Dinah, Dinah Shore, her talk show, which was super big in the 70s? Well, she had done on her show in October of 1976, which just shows how big Soul Train had become for Dawn to make it onto Dinah's show. And Dinah, by the way, had the best show. She had all of the cool people on her show. And plus she was a sweet lady and everyone would sit out there together and, and, you know, be on stage together, sitting on her couches together. It was just great. But uh, I remember that Don was on there with, I know Alan Ludden, Betty White's husband was on that episode. I can't remember who else, but uh, yeah, that just shows how much Soul Train had made it. And it was must-see TV. I mean, there's a generation of us who grew up with Soul Train and I'm, thrilled that I was a part of that generation because I loved watching it. It was a lot of fun. And, you know, the Soul Train line, people were still doing that at weddings and reunions. And that's something that has still lasted. And the people are still doing to this day. 
And uh, of course, as the 80s rolled around, Soul Train was still doing very well. Um, it was some stiff competition for American Bandstand, which I also watched. I watched both shows, which a lot of people did. But, you know, Dick Clark was beginning to feel the pinch and the pressure of Soul Train. So at one point, he decided to try to start a TV show called Soul Unlimited, which I think was a lousy idea. You know, it was kind of an attempt to rip off Soul Train. But people protested so much until I think that was gone really before it even really got started. Um, and if anything, what he did, I noticed, is that he started to bring more of the artists that Don had on Soul Train to bandstand. And um, you started to hear more, you know, black music, soul music on bandstand, which honestly, I think that was the better way to go to proceed than to try and do some soul unlimited. But um, so Soul Train did really well and uh, thrived enormously. Um, So many artists made their appearances on Soul Train. I mean, Whitney Houston, Diana Ross, Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes, the OJs, Donna Summer, Barry White, on and on and on. Curtis Mayfield. And as I said, you had uh, the the white artist, uh, the first white artist on Soul Train was Dennis Coffey, who had the song Scorpio in 1971. And then you had Gino Vanelli, and you had of course, the Jacksons, and you had Patti LaBelle, and just on and on, Diana Ross, if I didn't say her already, you had Smokey Robinson, Aretha Franklin, everyone was on Soul Train, everybody, everyone wanted to do Soul Train, Madonna wanted to do Soul Train, but Don Cornelius, another one of his mistakes, thought that she wasn't going to go anywhere, and so he did not want her to be on the show, and he definitely lived to regret that mistake. She was over on Bandstand and Solid Gold, but he just didn't think that she was going to go anywhere. And so he passed on her coming on Soul Train. But you did hear her music on Soul Train, like uh, Cosmic Emotion and Papa Don't Preach. You heard those two songs specifically on Soul Train. So anyway, as I said, Don retired or stepped down. He didn't retire, but he stepped down as host in 1993. And then you again have just regular, uh, like a revolving door of hosts until Shamar Moore took over somewhere in, I don't remember. I wasn't watching it at that point. (laughs) My sister was watching it, but I was not watching Soul Train when he took over. But I've seen footage of him when he was host, and I think he did a really good job. He uh, did it for a few years, but he's also doing the Young and the Restless at that time. And so he was, you know, doing, had a lot going on, a lot on his plate, no doubt. So he stepped aside and then they went back to the revolving door of host again. And I remember though, it's funny because Soul Train, as, as I said, ended in 2006. Well, guess what? Around 2004, 2005, guess who started watching Soul Train again? Me. My sister and I would watch it together and, you know, I was enjoying it all over again like I had when I was a teenager and as a kid. And then, of course, it suddenly came to an end. But you kind of could tell that the writing was on the wall. There were not as many dancers as there had been. Um, Something was just different. I enjoyed Soul Train in that era, but something was, was different. Something was missing. 
So you could tell the writing was on the wall that wasn't not going to be on too much longer. And, you know, but it did have a long 35 year run. Uh, I think the only TV show to top it in longevity in syndication is Entertainment Tonight, which has been on now for 41 years. Uh, but Soul Train, I believe, is still in second place. So I just wanted to take a time, take the time to just, you know, pay homage to Dawn and to Soul Train and, you know, just remember what a wonderful experience that was. Such of a representation of Black Pride Soul Train was. And it was just, just a lot of fun, a lot of fun to watch every week. And... It was just a big part of my childhood and the big part of a lot of people's childhood, a big part of my sister's childhood. She was born during Soul Train's run and watched it until when Soul Train ended. That was the year that she graduated from college. Now, she went from being a baby, being born, to a college graduate during Soul Train's run. Now, that's not growing up with a show and really having a lot of experience during the run of a TV show. I don't know what is. But uh, yet Don, in later years, experienced a lot of health issues. He had emotional issues as well. You know, he was arrested for a domestic uh, battery of his wife. And they were in the middle of a nasty divorce. He was having epileptic seizures, not epileptic seizures. I don't think they were epileptic, but he was having seizures. He was, Don had a serious, serious brain operation in 1982. That surgery was almost, it was like 19 hours long. My mom always did say that he didn't look quite right the same after he had that surgery. Um, and kind of looking back on it now as an adult myself, I understand where she was coming from with her assessment of that. But he was, he really kind of did struggle a lot after he had that surgery. And it began to really affect him a lot in his later years. And he had a lot of other health issues as well. I think he had Parkinson's disease. And um, he was in a lot of pain, a lot of turmoil, he had a lot of financial difficulty going on too, struggling financially a lot, dealing with the divorce and all the fallout from that and and trying to keep his wife from getting her hands on his money and and just all of this drama going on. And so on February the 1st, 2012, around 4.30 in the morning, he took um, a gun and he put it to his head and it is life. And again, it was devastating to find out. I was absolutely devastated to hear that it's he chose to end his life. It's always so sad to me personally when a person decides to take their own life and I was absolutely heartbroken. And so every February the 1st, I remember Don Cornelius and that's why I wanted to take the time to remember him today on this particular episode of Two Sisters and a TV. So if you get the time, head over to YouTube and check out a little bit of Soul Train. I know I will later. There's plenty of it over there, including the documentary that I just mentioned earlier. Um, there, I know there's a really long, like probably an eight-hour video of the best of Soul Train 1971 to 1979. That is really, I haven't watched it yet. 
so I can't say that I've seen it, but it's definitely on my watching list coming up. I can imagine how really terrific that must be. But uh, yeah, go check out a little bit of Soul Train and uh, remember Dawn like I am today. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back with another episode very soon and I will see you all then.